we all want to be happier. But how do we get there? First, we start by realizing happiness is not a destination. Being happy consists of micro action steps every single day. I'm your host, Brittany King, and I'm here to guide you along the way. Welcome back to the Positively Real podcast. I'm your host and your coach, Brittany King. How are we doing today, friends? I have a very special guest, and I'm so excited to share all of her knowledge when So I'll give a little backstory. So as most of you know, if you've been following my show since I've started, I have an obsession with kinfolk, namely Dr. Sarah and Dr. Keiko. They are two of my most favorite humans in the world. And they introduced me to Jennifer. And when they said that Jennifer is interested on being on your podcast, I didn't even ask any questions. I said, absolutely. If Jennifer's a friend of yours, she's a friend of mine. So here we are today. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So Jennifer is an associate professor at ASU in the College of Health Solutions Exercise and Wellness Program. And as I was learning about what Jennifer does, I was like, where was I when I was in, like, where was this when I was in college? I know it was there, you know, I was in college over 10 years ago, but man, if I could go back in time, I would 100% be in that program and I'd 100% have you as my professor. Uh, Jennifer's also- Director of, of Science at Calm, which if you don't know what Calm is, it's a meditation app and it's incredible. I mean, there are sleep stories there. Are, I mean, you could get lost in all of the goodness that um, Calm has to offer. So, so excited to have That's you here. That's true. So, um, Thank you. I'm excited to be here. By telling everybody who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into the good stuff. Okay. Well, um, So I am a professor at ASU, which you said, and um, I do a lot of work with, um, mostly with research versus teaching. I like research a lot better. I feel like um, research is the way to teach. So I'd much prefer to teach using research. So a lot of my research is around um, improving health behaviors. And I started working with physical activity in women's health. Um, 20 some years ago and it's morphed into also now yoga and meditation and focusing on delivering those those um, complementary approaches through digital interventions so online or using mobile apps and um, I focus mostly on cancer patients and um, women's health research so a lot with middle-aged women and pregnant uh, pregnant women and women um, who have been through trauma and um, so that's that's kind of my professional hat. I'm affiliated with Banner uh, U of A. I'm affiliated with Mayo Clinic and MD Anderson Mays Cancer Center in Texas. But the better stuff is that I'm a mom of two. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two boys, living boys, and um, and then I'm a mom to two rescue doggies and mm-hmm. a wife to an amazing husband and a yogi and a meditator. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so that's. That's myself in a nutshell. In a nutshell. So did, like, did your uh, career, did it, you always have a focus on trauma and cancer patients with regards to yoga, meditation, um, health and wellness, or did that kind of evolve over time? Yeah, so it definitely evolved. So I started working with women, um, you know, mid, middle age age, like 40 to 60, let's say. And it was, I was only focusing on helping women to be more physically active Mm -hmm. and doing a lot of research in the area. I learned that women who were maintaining physical activity regimens were doing so because of the way they felt about their Mm self-worth. So that was a huge piece of the work that I did for the first 20 years of my career. And I put together a program that's actually still available, but I'm not really doing much with it. Um, it's called Fit Minded. And it's, um, it was a book club. And women would get together and meet and talk about the books that we were reading, but how they could facilitate their lives for better health behaviors um, using strategies that we know to be true to help us improve our self-worth. 
related to how um, we're educating ourselves, relating to our emotional self-worth and our social self-worth and taking the emphasis off the physical because women spend a lot of time on, you know, how do I look? How fit am I? What do I look like in a bathing suit? How do my jeans fit me? And granted, I'm there too, like, you know, many other women, but the more you can focus on other aspects of your health, the more likely you are um, to maintain that. So not the physical, more of like the knowledge, emotional and social components of self-worth. So that's kind of grown um, over time. And it's interesting because the work that I do now with cancer patients and um, pregnant women and moms um, who have had trauma during pregnancy, those same things show up in those populations as well, that we need to be taking care of our emotional, social, and knowledge self-worth, um, and not so much focusing on the physical. Mm-hmm. It's so true. I mean, I know my own health journey. It was, I was so focused on the physical and it was like working out, you know, nine times a week and just like pushing myself to this, this place that was all about the external. And I remember when I like changed my, my diet is when I started to focus on the internal and how I felt so much better on the internal, which reflected to the external. So tell me a little bit about how you help women shift from that, because I've noticed it a lot with my clients is like they work out to like to look good on the outside and they're completely missing this element of what's going on on the inside. Yeah. So there's, there's a number of strategies. And if, if um, a woman was a participant in fit minded, you know, we would spend anywhere from four to six months meeting and, and going through these strategies and learning them and being them and doing them. But um, for the purpose of this podcast, it's not six months long. Um, so some of the, some of the strategies that we, use one I would say is giving up on guilt so Mm. guilt tends to be something that women carry with them right so um they feel guilty about taking care of others and and it's because they're either raising children or they have a partner or a job or whatever it is that that pulls you know um them and so they tend to lack you know um taking care of themselves because they feel guilty and guilt is a, is a thought and a choice. Um, so what I try to work with is, is perception, right? So we could say, um, and this, this would be specific, let's say to exercise, like exercise is such a hassle. It's, um, super boring. I don't have time. I've got to take care of others to exercise is a time for me to be by myself. Exercise is a time for me to help my body feel good on the inside. You know, all the things that are benefits to exercise. So it's like changing that perception. You can think of it negatively or you think it positively. It's the same with diet. Uh, you know, this type of eating is restrictive and, and I, it's boring. And Or you could say, this type of eating makes me feel amazing. I have so much energy. I sleep so well. My stomach feels good. You know, again, it changing perception comes from part of that. Um, And realizing that, um, especially when it comes to guilt, is that you're perfect just the way you are and it's okay to take care of yourself, right? It's it's just okay. And it's going to impact your quality of life and the relationships and interactions you have with people the more you're taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so yeah, it's a choice. It's a choice. And so shifting that choice to say, okay, I'm having this guilty thought. I'm not going to feel guilty right now. So that's, that's one of the biggest things that we work with. I would say another thing is um, self-compassion. And so um, I talk about this related to exercise behaviors because women tend to, um, tend to, you know, again, with the guilt, they kind of all overlap, but Um, one of the strategies for exercise is setting goals, right? Like we know that if you set goals, you're going to be more likely to participate in exercise. Same with diet behavior, same with stress management, really any health behavior if you're setting goals to achieve those. But what happens with women specifically is that we set these goals based on societal ideal versus what's in our inner being and what's realistic for us, right? So, So I've had women say to me at the age of 65, I want to be my pre-pregnancy weight. 
And it's like, I have to say to them, okay, there's nothing wrong with that goal, but why? What's the inner, what's going on inside to make someone want to be a pre-pregnancy weight at 65? You know, so it's like, okay, we need to think about, um, is this society or is this me or extrinsic versus intrinsic? And what are the major motivators and this sense of um, self-compassion and acceptance in where I am and I'm perfect just where I am. So that's another part that plays a large role is self-compassion. Mm. I mean, there's so much with that and it, it's, it's so interesting <laughs> because I'm like shaking my head. I'm like, yes, yes. Like, because it is like guilt is a thought that we have and it's a choice. And I completely agree. And what's the connection with like eating a certain food, feeling guilty about it, and then exercising because of that guilt? Like I ate a piece of pizza and now I have to go like run 10 miles to work it off. Like what's the connection with that? And, and what does that do to our mental and emotional health? Yeah. So I definitely don't have an expertise in any type of like eating disorder or exercise disorder, because some of those behaviors could be leaning in that direction. Mm -hmm. However, I will say um, when that's going on, it's complete disconnection from self and inner being Mm -hmm. and intrinsic motivation. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you really got to look at why do I feel the need to exercise after I eat something again, is this is for societal, this is definitely for extrinsic, your body doesn't need that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. your body needs to be taken care of, your body needs rest, your body needs Mm self-compassion. And so thinking about um, ways to be in touch with your inner being, and, and that would be, you know, meditation, that would be practicing mindfulness. And Mm Um, so that you can learn when you're disconnected from self, when you're having those thoughts, those have to be like, how do you feel when you have those thoughts? You feel Mm -hmm. negative, you feel crappy, you feel Mm -hmm. like something's overtaking you. You feel like you don't have, it it consumes your brain. Mm -hmm. Those are clear signs that you're not connected to your inner being. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and that's kind of getting over into other, you know, spiritual beliefs and things like that. But um, a big part of this concept of self-worth is, you know, social, emotional, knowledge, support. And part of our emotional and social support for that is is self-compassion and um, a way to practice that, to learn to practice that is mm-hmm. through meditation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I know I'm kind I- of all overlap. Uh, yeah. And I'm listening to him like, yeah, like it, as soon as you said meditation and mindfulness, I was like, absolutely. Like that is the way because it allows you space between the thoughts that you're having and what you're experiencing and how to like separate them. So I was like, yep, yeah. total, completely agree. I mean, that. the longer you meditate, like I've been meditating for a while now, but um, I will literally go to the refrigerator and put my hand on the door and go, I'm not hungry. What am I doing right now? Like, cause mm-hmm. I'm so aware from all my meditation practice and I can close the door mm-hmm. and I can have a spin drift or chew a piece of gum, but <laughs> I don't really need to eat anything cause I'm not truly hungry. Mm-hmm. Right. And so mm-hmm. that's not about my calories. That's not about my macronutrients. Mm-hmm. That's not about, did I exercise today? That's only about, is my body hungry right now? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's like, it's totally that awareness. And I I sometimes I I talk about my clients, I'm like cravings often are just trying to tell you something else. So it is like having that awareness to be like, okay, what is really going on right now? Am I bored? Am I Mm -hmm. tired? Am I overwhelmed? Because that's what I like. I know if I like go for a bag of chips, also through my mindfulness practice, I'm like, am I really like, do I really want those chips? Like, am I hungry right now? It's like, no, I'm overwhelmed. So it's just like that awareness. And then, like you said, that loving kindness to like be gentle with yourself and figure out what you really need. And it is being connected to mm-hmm. self. So I completely mm-hmm. agree Definitely. with that. And there, I had another question about like weight and self-worth because yeah. this has come up a lot with my clients. Um, and you mentioned this earlier with society and having this picture of what a healthy body looks like. Like I have some clients that truly believe that, that that girls on Instagram who have a six pack must have all of their shit together. And if you don't look that way, then you don't have your shit together. And there's this connection with this self-worth and weight. And I'm like, listen, it doesn't matter what weight you are. If you're not taking care of what's going on in your thoughts and your mind, 
you're not, it, you're, it's never going to feel like enough. So what, is, like, what are your suggestions with, with that and how to help su- navigate yeah. someone through that? Yeah, well, one of the things that when we do this fit-minded work is I say right away, if you're here to lose weight, you're in the wrong place because you might lose weight, but that's not our, that's not our, the reason for meeting, right? The reason that we're here is to improve our self-worth. So it's like, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? You know, usually it's like, do the, do the physical activity so we can lose weight. Right. And then we'll keep doing the physical activity. But then if you don't lose weight, then we don't do the physical activity. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's thinking about that process. And so when it comes to weight, this is an extrinsic motivator, right? It's, it's an extrinsic motivator. It is something that is outside of the self. Right. So that's the first thing is extrinsic motivation. The other thing is that like, you got to take like seven steps back. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, weight is definitely a result of, well, it's a result of many things. It's a result of our genetics, right? It's a result of um, our eating and exercise behaviors, our stress management practice, our sleep practice. So if we think about all the things that might compromise, might, you know, impact our weight, then we have to take a step back at what we are doing with that. Right. So, Um, so for example, what are all the things that are setting ourselves up for success and having baby steps to get there? So weight loss could be something that's like down the road, but you're, you first have to get the behaviors that takes you there down because, and for the right reasons, because otherwise you're, you're still going to lose weight and you're going to go right back to where you were. So it's like baby steps first, right? So let's say you have all these things, stress, sleep, genetics, you can't do much about those, exercise and eating, you take all of those. You pick one, okay? So let's say I want to improve my sleep behaviors. So I'm going to start going to bed at the same time, you know, every night, as close as I can within 30 minutes. And I'm going to, to disengage from electronics an hour before I go to bed. So those are my two goals, right? And I'm going to achieve that as many times as I can. I'm not going to beat myself up when I don't. And next, the next day, I'm going to get right back on the horse. So that's just one behavior of all these things that impact weight. So let's get those down first. So it's like mm. building up the self-efficacy and the confidence. And once you achieve that, okay, then let's move to something else. But what happens is we go, I'm going to lose weight. And, you, and as if you're going to jump out of bed and run a marathon. <laughs> makes no sense at all. If you run a marathon, first you got to walk, then you got to jog, then yep. you got to run and jog, then you got to walk and jog, and then you got to sprint. And then, I mean, and then the distance is short and then the distance is long and then the distance is short and then the distance is longer. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it, you know, so we're so, as women, we're so like, that's, that's why pharmaceuticals are so popular, right? Mm-hmm. If I can take a pill, if I can do this and it's going to fix it, plastic surgery, whatever you want to, mm-hmm. right? But it's like, you have to bring, you have to bring it back like 27 million levels. And then I always encourage though, not having that end goal. So there's short-term goals, there's long-term goals, but that long-term goal, if we can keep from it being weight, the better. Like, okay, why do you want to lose weight? Well, I want to feel good. I want to play with my grandkids or I want to play with my kids or I want to be able to, you know, twist better in yoga or whatever it is. Okay, fine. But let's not, let's focus on those things. So I want to be able to be more active with my children. So let's, let's measure that in some way, right? Let's Mm -hmm. look at achievement. If you want to measure the way you're active with your children, let's measure that in some way. Let's not use weight. Mm-hmm. because when I see that I'm able to play and engage with my children easier, like get on the floor and be in yogi squat with comfort or, you know, go running for a little bit outside with them or do something more active, more regular, if I can physically feel a difference, that should be, you know, reward enough. Right. And then, Oh, I also lost 10 pounds, but I was focused on the joy of being with my children mm-hmm. instead of the, the negativity of I can't lose weight, right? Mm-hmm. You see where your focus mm-hmm. shifts too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's so many pieces to this and we do this on that fit minded program, but you know, there's so many pieces to it, but that's really it. You got to take it 20 million notches mm-hmm. down and one step at a time. Oh my gosh. You know? Yes. 
Yes. I mean, you are completely speaking my language. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that is my whole MO is like, it's, if you can't do the little things, well, how are you expected to do like the big things? And I've always like, since I've started my coaching business, I even ask all of my clients, everything is small steps. Like it's always about the little things and because little by little, it becomes a lot. And then that end goal, like you said, I'm like listening to, I'm like, yes, like it's so great talking to someone that, that is on that same page because people get so caught up in that, that achievement. Like, okay, I lost the 10 pounds. And then it's always like, well, then what? Like, is that, is it going to be another Mm -hmm. 10? Like how, how do you measure Mm -hmm. that in terms of like really that, that self-worth? Like there is just no, there's no way to measure that. Like it is in those small steps. So I, I agree 110%. And I think that when you focus on the small steps, like it makes the process Mm -hmm. so much more enjoyable. Like, it's just, it is like, oh my God, I got out of bed and I ran today. I ran for for 10 minutes. I never thought I could run for 10 minutes straight. Mm -hmm. And then the next day it's a little bit more. And I think that that's so much more fulfilling than just trying to go zero to a hundred. You mentioned Mm -hmm. something like we live in a world of instant gratification, right? Like you said, pharmaceuticals, like people Mm -hmm. want it now. They want the quick fix. The things that sell, uh, you know, marketing is like, get your, you know, lose 10 pounds in a week. And people are like, okay, yeah. But I'm like, that is not sustainable. And it's, it's so detrimental. Mm -hmm. It is so detrimental on so many levels. And even like rewarding yourself. So rewarding yourself is a thing and it's good and you should. But think about the way, so rewards are usually extrinsic, but eventually you get into a place where you don't need the extrinsic rewards, mm-hmm. but it is something that in early behavior change, you can adopt. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you think about rewards, it doesn't have to be like an ice cream sundae. Right. You know, it's not like when we were five and everything was like, oh, you can have a piece of candy. Right. Oh, you can have a popsicle. Here's your I do popsicle. my kids bad enough. <laughs> they're like, on the nights that they get fruit for dessert, they're so upset. And that's like five or six nights of the week. What's for dessert? Fruit. What's for dessert? Fruit. Oh, come on, mom. You're killing me. Oh, here, you can have this 100% fruit popsicle that I made. It's literally <laughs> going to be me when I have That's, that's going to be me when I have <laughs> kids. I'm like, I'm sorry. You're probably you going to have junk sugar. at your friend's house, but not at our totally. house. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, so like rewards are good. So, you know, you can think of ways you can reward yourself, you know, and they don't, they, they could, they go along with the behavior on some level, but like, so like a reward to myself, like I might um, splurge and, you know, buy an audio book or mm-hmm. so, cause then I can listen to it while I'm doing something right. Mm-hmm. 20 bucks. I don't need to spend or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, treat yourself to an Americano or, mm-hmm. you know, um, a, pair, a pair of workout pants of your favorite mm-hmm. workout pants, you know. Absolutely. So there's things that you can do to reward yourself at first, but eventually you don't need those. But rewards, you know, it's like incentivizing. It's mm-hmm. the literature shows that incentives are good, but eventually it will turn to intr- more intrinsic motivation. Mm-hmm. So at least that's the goal. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes the reward is just like a simple, like, yeah, like a little like mini celebration. I mean, that's like, the place that you get to, because I or, think in my, yeah. my own journey, I've realized like the reward is just feeling good. Like just the mm-hmm. vitality and energized and all of that. Like to me, mm-hmm. that is now that's the reward. It didn't used to be like that. Cause I was only focused on right. the external, but as right. soon as you shift the focus inward, it just, it, it changed everything for me. I mean, it changed my whole trajectory of my life. Like I wouldn't be coaching right. if I didn't have that shift. And like, that's why I got into this. Cause I want to help other women have that same experience. Cause it's not like I have some magical, like fairy dust, like, and it's accessible to anybody. I think you just have yeah. to be open to it and like willing to kind of shift your focus. So I can completely agree. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, the sooner you can get to intrinsic motivation, the better, but you have to be patient with yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing I was going to mention is like no judgment. You know, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have good days. Like you're never going to be perfect. You know, I sit here and talk about these things as if I never think about the way my abdominal um, area looks. Come on, totally. on people. I'm just like <laughs> you. I look at it. I'm like, oh, what the heck? Is this pooching over my jeans? I'm not wearing these jeans. I mean, I do the same thing. And then some days I'm like, I love my pooch. I had, you know, three babies and like, you know, and I'm appreciative. And so 
you have ups and downs, but you, it's self-acceptance and non-judgment is so huge. Absolutely. And then the one other thing I'll mention that you mentioned is like social media. So one of the strategies that we talk about in Fit Minded is your environmental inventory mm-hmm. and also your social support, like who you surround yourself with. So Instagram is like both of those. So number one, it's not an environment that's that supportive in the sense that if you're struggling with getting your head straight and your mind gain and you're you're trying to be more intuitive and think with your heart versus your mind, Instagram is the worst place to be. Worst place to Amen. be. Because Amen. remember, <laughs> this is social media, like people like standing on their pinkies and upside down with their, you know, under they look fantabulous good for you but you know like who knows what their life is really like like we always assume we put we put these people on these on these you know like above us or something Mm -hmm. as if and it's like no they're just choosing to take this picture and share it with the world and that's Mm -hmm. totally their their right but it's also your right to not look at it if you know it messes with you being in touch with your internal being Mm -hmm. and the way you know is because when you look at the picture if you don't say Good job. That's amazing. Good for her. If you think, oh, I don't look like that. Oh, I'll never be able to do that. Or mm-hmm. dang, or I shouldn't have eaten that cookie. If you start going there, you are not in touch with your internal being. You need mm-hmm. to not follow that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So like it, it comes to a place where you really have to take a look at how what you're seeing makes you feel. Mm-hmm. And, and it takes you away from where you're trying to go. Now, mm-hmm. I stay on Instagram because I do a lot of research and we recruit via Instagram, but I have to, I have to go, you know, I have to scroll through. And as soon as I'm having a thought, I have to say, that's a thought, Jen, Mm -hmm. judgment, thought, and I have to move on. Like I have to practice my mindfulness while Mm -hmm. I'm Instagramming. So I I try to stay off of it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Same with Facebook. It's just, it's not. um, And then the other thing I was going to say is related to the social support. And this is within Instagram and Facebook. It's like who you're following you know, it should be positivity and uplifting. And Mm. so, you know, it's just like when you spend time with friends, if you're a smoke, a smoker, and you're trying to quit smoking, you're not going to go hang out with the smokers. Mm. How is that going to help you quit smoking? Right? Mm -hmm. So if you are being mindful, and you're trying to work on, on stress management, you're not going to hang out with a bunch of girls that are drama queens, you know, like, it's just like thinking about that, right? And, and, and it's not, it's, there's no judgment there. It's just making a choice what's right for you. You mm-hmm. can disengage without pushing someone away or being judgmental or negative. Mm-hmm. You could mm-hmm. just disengage in terms of staying focused with you. Mm-hmm. And so just being thoughtful of those things are all, they all play a role in this whole, all these things that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the judgment piece is so important. Like if you find yourself like criticizing someone else or judging them, it's often a reflection, not often, I mean, 90, 99.9% of the time, it's a reflection of what's going on in your inner world. So it's a sign that like, time to quiet the external noise. You can go inward and figure out what you need to do. Uh, So I'm, I'm curious then, because we talked about like being kinder to yourself and this is something that women really struggle with is being kind. For sure. Uh, How, how did, how did you learn to be kinder to yourself? Did you have an experience or a lesson that helped you um, become a little bit kinder? Yeah. um, If I'm full exposure and completely honest, um, I had a stillborn child um, nine years ago. Um, in January, she'll be 10. Um, her name was Rain Madeline, and she was full term. Mm-hmm. And I was not expecting it. I went to that hospital, you know, and um, my life completely changed after that. Mm-hmm. Part of my journey with grief was with yoga. That's mm-hmm. what got me to start doing yoga. And so the biggest blessing she has brought to my life is compassion for self and kindness for myself. Because prior to her birth, I, you know, I had my first son, Grayson, mm-hmm. and I was a, I'm, I'm type A, you know, I, I, I have, um, I'm very eager and I'm very passionate and I like to achieve, right? And that ran my life prior mm-hmm. to having rain. That was my modus operandi, achieve and roll over people, achieve and roll over people, like literally. And um, I had a child and she was not here with us physically. And I 
am now a more aware, more present, more mm-hmm. compassionate person to myself and to others. Mm-hmm. Um, it drove me to yoga, which was my relationship with myself that I had not had, mm-hmm. that I'm still journeying with. I don't say working on because mm-hmm. it's not supposed to be work. It's a journey, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm journeying with my relationship with myself every day. Um, meditation is a huge part of that to manage my you know, anxiety and I have some post-traumatic stress. I manage it through those ways. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have a good cry. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that's what taught me to be kind to myself is the yoga and the meditation. Mm-hmm. And um, she is what brought that into my life. And then also I'm doing a lot for other mothers who have experienced something like this, raising mm-hmm. money for local foundation. We've raised like $70,000. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's really what's taught me to be kind to myself. And so now I have these practices. You know, I wake up in the morning, I meditate, body. Um, I like to say move my body, even though it's exercise, because I'm moving my body and doing what feels good Mm -hmm. and um, drink my coffee. And then in the evening, I have, and this was inspired by my brother, who I know you're going to have on the show, but, um, and in the evenings, I have my journaling and I, I write positive things in my journal. I write letters to myself. I write letters to other people. I just write things that have inspired me during the day to close off my day. So I've learned all that from my daughter. Mm, what I mean, what it's such a hard thing to go through and be to be able to see that that obstacle, that challenge, that difficulty, like brought on all these blessings. Like that is such a mm-hmm. gift. How long did it take you to be able to shift that? Because when people are going through something so hard and like experiencing the grief and the trauma, it's hard to see that this is happening to like for you instead of happening to you. Mm-hmm. That's a really good question about the shift. Like if I'm completely honest, I would say it was like five or six years um, mm. after her death where I really, and I was already doing the yoga. Mm. Um, but I wasn't really there. I wasn't doing the meditation as much uh, that my meditation practice wasn't very solid. It wasn't, you know, con- like every single day, like it is now for mm. a couple of years. But, um, I, I remember I had a event. We, we, Angels Austin Ale was the name of the event and we aren't having it this year because of COVID. But, um, I remember after the event, like a day or two after, you know, this is like over a hundred people come and do yoga and drink beer and um, have a silent auction. We give all the money to the Sela house and care farm. But, um, but after that, I, I went into this like really sad place. Um, It, it was just weird. I was just so down in the dumps. Um, It's kind of like what they say, like when you're a bride and you get married and then it's all over and you kind of crash. It's like a crash and burn. I crash and burn. And I realize I'm like, I am so externally focused on research with stillbirth moms and raising money for stillbirth moms that I'm not freaking focusing on myself still. I'm Mm. still living the Jennifer where I'm like, this is not about my inner health. This is about everybody else. And I was like, enough is enough. I got to get my shit together, you know? And so um, I started doing the work beyond coming to yoga and doing the breathing. I started doing the work. I got a meditation teacher. I I was in a yoga teacher training. Um, I, you know, started meditating every day. I like just doing the work basically. Like, Um, my brother always talks about, you know, you can turn the page, you can read a page and turn it and go, that was interesting. Then just keep on going to the next page. That's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Like, oh yeah, it's good to be, it's good to take care of yourself. It's good to do Mm -hmm. yoga, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But then I started living the yoga Mm -hmm. for myself. So Mm -hmm. it took, you know, five, six years to get to this, to get to this space. And I'm excited to what it's going to be like in five years from now, Mm -hmm. because don't get me wrong. I still... Like yesterday, I had to talk about rain in a presentation to 100 people, and it took all my might 
not to just sob. Mm. <laughs> and it's okay though. I have the emotions. They come up, but it's, you know, it's just like, but they pass too, mm. right? So I've learned that there's nothing wrong with me right now in this moment of despair. There's nothing wrong. Before I was like, what's wrong with me? I need to go this. I need to do this. Oh my God, I'm trying to fix, but I've learned to just surrender mm. and you know, be with myself. It's like, okay, I'm having grief right now. Just mm-hmm. be with it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And then I can move on to the next moment and the next mm-hmm. moment. But, you know, something like a stillborn child, you don't get over. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's who you, it becomes part of who you are, but it's what you do with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my so, gosh. Yes. And thank you so much for sharing that with us, because I know that that must be uh, uh, like, I'm sure it brings up emotions in me. Like, I just can't imagine like what that is like to go through something like that. But what a gift to be able to transform it into being a living, breathing example of someone really taking care of themselves through trauma because I mean trauma gets stored in our bodies and it's like what you do with it is is so is so key so I'm curious is this how you got into being the director of science at Mm -hmm. at calm because you didn't have as much of a steady um meditation practice and now your meditation practice is very consistent is this kind of the transition point for you yeah so that that's a really cool um story. So, so when I, I, I was doing yoga and I had rain and then I got pregnant with my third child, Nolan, um, who's our rainbow baby. He's eight mm-hmm. now. I, I had to meditate to get through that pregnancy because my, I was going to yoga oh my and my yoga teacher's like, you need to meditate because every day I was certain he was going to die. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I went through that pregnancy and, um, and picked up the meditation practice. And then we moved from Nebraska to Arizona and I didn't have my yoga teacher and I thought my world was over, but little did I know the yoga was inside of me, right? These are things I learned after that. When I said the five years, that was the book before. So I knew, I found that the yoga was inside of me and I re I started using calm to meditate and doing, you know, figuring it out for myself. And I was like, Oh my God, this has been amazing. And then we were doing some research with cancer patients with yoga. And they were saying that the yoga was super helpful, but they thought the mindfulness piece was the most helpful for their fatigue. And I thought, Oh my God, I'm, I'm experiencing this. They're experiencing this. So I reached out to calm and I said, can you donate some calm memberships? I want to do research with you. And they were like, yeah, sure. And then three years later, I called them on the phone or emailed someone and I was like, I want to come give a presentation to tell you about all the research I've been doing with cancer patients with your app. And they were like, okay. So I paid my own way. I put myself up in a hotel. I gave the presentation. I came back and they invited me back. And then this time they paid for me to come. (laughs) I went to talk. Little did I know the owner, the two owners of the company were there. The, the, um, the chief development officer. I didn't know they were in the audience. I was giving my spiel. I talked about rain a little bit. I talked mm-hmm. about how I use calm. And next thing you know, they're like, you're awesome. We love what you're doing. We want to support you. Will you consult with us as the director of science? And I was like, oh my God, this is a dream come true. <laughs> and so now I'm directing science and I'm, I have a scientific advisory board, people from Harvard and UCLA and ASU. And we're like, just pumping out the research to help people feel good through meditation. It's uh, amazing. It's so <laughs> and it's <amazing>. calm. <laughs> and it's calm. It oh is. my God, that it is, is so cool. cool. Well, I mean, that I, that is you creating, right? Like paving mm. the way, uh, right? Like For that sure. is 100%, I mean, like manifestation at its finest. But like a lot of people totally. think with manifestation, it's like you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to sit here and hope that it happens. It's like, no, it's aligned action. Like that's what you have to like, you can't just like wait for it. You have to like you know, do something about it. I, I remember walking down the hallway at SU and looking in my reflection in this window and thinking to myself, this is not all I'm going to do. Like I'm not just going to be a research professor. There's something else I'm going to do. I just, I didn't know. And literally like two weeks later, it fell into my lap. And it was, I remember that moment so specifically, it was this overwhelming feeling like something else is going to happen. And then it did. And I do say that if my daughter had not been born, granted, like, I wish she was here, you know, all so much, but if she had not been born, I would not have had this. I don't think this shift in my life 
what that mm-hmm. yoga and meditation has brought for me. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. And I know a lot of people have stories about yoga and I'm one of those. I yeah. can relate to those people. Yeah, it'll, it, 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 it works. <laughs> the power is, is there, whether you believe in whatever you want to believe in. Like it is just when you believe in something bigger than yourself and outside of yourself and that energy source, like it's, I, I think you can be unstoppable. Like I really think like just by well, believing something. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter how you get there. If you can figure out how to get in touch with who you really are and be aware Mm. of when you're not. And and like, again, I'm journeying. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm still journeying. I'm not perfect. (laughs) I got shoulder pain. I wonder why, you know, like all these things, like I'm not perfect. Don't get me wrong. But the more you can realize like Uh how that's going on, that's, I mean, it's, it's 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 game on. It is. It's totally game on. I know I do the same thing, especially after going to Kinfolk. I'll like have a pain Mm. in like my shoulder blade. I'm like, okay, like what's going on in my heart chakra? Like I'm feeling, you know, like I'm so much more aware um, Mm -hmm. of like, okay, like what's, what am I storing in my body? And it is, it's like, it's a forever journey. It's always like, it's a constant practice. You never, it's not a destination. And I think that's what people yep. get caught up in of taking care of themselves. They're like, okay, I've reached the top. I'm like, no, there is no top. It's just no. staying with it yeah. consistently and having the tools. And it's to work not work. Them. Right. Yeah. And it's not work. Like that's been my newest thing is mm-hmm. I'm not calling this work anymore. Because yeah. every time I say working on this, it makes it sound like it's a job or it's something I right. have to do. No, I'm like, journeying with myself. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. journey with myself in life. And so I'm journeying with it. And so let's see, I got to keep on keeping on. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's so true. It is, it is journey. And like, it's true because you associate the word work. It seems like something you yeah. have to do, but it's like, no, like it's something that you want to do. And it's honestly, like, I think personally, it's like my responsibility to do it so I can show up for other people like at my best self. Cause I can't show up. I can't take care for, of anybody if I'm not That's taking it. care of myself. So um, yeah. Wow. So cool. Uh, amazing. Yeah. Um, so curious, like meditation then, I mean, you've done a lot of mm-hmm. research for calm. What is the mm-hmm. like most, like, what do you geek out about the most? Like what's the most fascinating thing oh, that you've God. discovered? Oh, I don't even know if there is anything. I mean, we just did a randomized control trial. Um, using, we took Calm versus a control group, and we um, saw improvements in sleep quality, and we saw improvements in um, like reductions in fatigue, reductions in stress, reductions in anxiety, reductions in depression, pre-sleep arousal. You know, when you go to bed and your mind's like all over the place, reductions in that mm-hmm. and um, cognitive um, pre-sleep arousal, smack. Anyway, so I guess like one thing I have learned um, is that, you know, I think of meditation as a way to quiet my mind and like be patient with my kids. But on the science side, the more we get into it, it's there is so much good that it does for your body. And the, the changes we've seen in sleep in people who are sleep disturbed is like super cool because it impacts your mental health and sleep is a key component to everything your mm-hmm. stress your fitness the way you eat just the way you operate everything and so i would say that's the coolest stuff going on right now with calm is what we're trying what we're trying to look at in sleep and mm-hmm. um yeah and just using it as a tool it's kind of like they're known for for being a meditation app but they're really an app for resilience mm-hmm. it's like all the things in your life to help you bounce back and be the baddest you can be mm-hmm. the sleep the calm music oh i'm i'm geeking out about calm music right now it's <laughs> legit it's like you yeah you got to pay for calm just to get the music if you <laughs> never touch the meditation they've got a dj out they have some pretty good music um talent cool. on there now lebron james i mean so it's like they it's yeah it's like an app for resilience really really oh i um, love that so. That is, I mean, it's amazing. And it's a really good company. They're a really good company. They, Mm -hmm. they really truly care Mm -hmm. about the mental wellness of their customers. They really Mm -hmm. do. Um, Mm -hmm. It's been very enlightening and very empowering to be a part of their meetings, Mm -hmm. you know, their monthly meetings. And it's, it's a feel good company for sure. 
Oh, that's so cool. I mean, it is like, that's, that's what I love so much when I've learned like really what meditation mindfulness, like what it does for you, because I think a lot of times people think they have to turn off their brain and it like pushes away all the bad and like the negative emotions in life or whatever. And I'm like, no, I don't know who taught you that, but like you don't turn off your brain, but it teaches you how to like to sit with it and be with the discomfort and let it pass through you instead of like trying to constantly whack-a-mole it away. So I love that they're, um, that you said it's like, uh, they're teaching you resilience. Cause that's what, that's what it is. It is like how to be resilient in the face of difficulty and challenges and setbacks. So, exactly. cool. and I'll make sure that I put in the show notes calm if, um, people haven't heard of that before, because it's amazing. So, so good. Well, I have, uh, one more question. I want to know what your action yeah. step is, but I do want to share with you something so crazy. You said your daughter's name is rain. Mm-hmm. So yes, rain Madeline, my niece, her name's rain and she is oh, eight and a half so cool. years old. Yeah. And I've oh never, my gosh, I know. Really? So when you, yeah. So when you said I that, I had the chills. Yeah, yeah. Cause I haven't met, I haven't met like another rain. So wow. when you said that, I was like, rain madeline so uh my sister barry she's a yoga instructor and she's oh oh my god you know what's so funny i was gonna say i know a yoga teacher and her daughter's name is rain you know barry it's it's, my sister yes oh my god that's your sister yeah i've had foot therapy from her yes she's amazing i love your sister she yeah. actually just reached out to me. She wanted to meet. So I need to tell her I was off the podcast. Oh my God, that is so funny. Yeah, she is like, sh- foot oh, yeah. yoga is like- You do her- look like her. <laughs> that's, my, that's my big sis. And yeah, so You're Rain beautiful. Is, is my, um, thank you, is my niece. So when you said that, I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. I had to share oh, that with you. Uh, but yeah, so my sister- I've is, always, is, yeah. That's what's I've had a little, I like I've always I know her I know her like we say hi and talk and like I yeah. said she reached out and I've always Ooh. felt a little connected to her because of her daughter. It's yeah. weird. Like that's, that's so cool. So cool. That's yeah. Awesome. I mean, yeah, I'm sure the two of you could really jam out on this whole everything that we've been talking about. She has a lot of experience with trauma as well and just like it's amazing like mm-hmm. what she does is amazing and like what she's developing with foot yoga is so cool. So mm. that's awesome. I love that you're connected. Yeah. Well, I knew I, I was For like, sure. I have to yeah, say something. That's so great. Uh, yeah, but I'm glad you did. The, the last thing that I have is I, as you know, I like to share an action step with uh, my, my audience of just what they can do based off of everything that we talked about. We talked about so much goodness, but as you know, know. Like we talked about, it's all in the small steps and happiness, uh, is not a destination, right? It's all the journey that we're talking about. So what is a small little step that someone could take today towards being their happiest and healthiest self? Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, besides something large, like starting a daily meditation practice, I mean, that would be the number one go-to that I would say just because, but something even smaller than that and more tangible is, and I did this, you know, I've done this only for like the past six months. Um, right before COVID um, is journaling right before bed and Mm. only something positive, Mm. nothing else. So not just sitting in my journal and just writing because sometimes we write and it becomes negative or sad Mm. or Mm -hmm. nothing, only things that are positive. So sometimes it will be something simple like I had eye contact with Nolan when he was with his friends Mm. or just little teeny things, right? Like Mm -hmm. I've, I keep looking at my nail polish color and it makes me smile like stupid mm-hmm. little thing, like nothing that you have to get all into. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to write, Oh, I love my, my mm-hmm. arms and then my thigh. Like that, that's, mm-hmm. that's, and especially if you don't believe, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. real things, simple things, positive things. And I've, I've found that like sometimes my lists are really long or short. Sometimes they're longer because it just flows. Mm-hmm. But anything with positivity and anything like some two days ago, I felt like writing a letter to my body, thanking my body mm-hmm. for all the things it's allowed me to do. Not focusing on my fat or my muscle or all that other garbage, but like, thank you for allowing me to carry children. Thank you for allowing me to, you know, lift weights and do yoga mm-hmm. and like, Thank you for allowing me the ability to smell and hear mm-hmm. and see mm-hmm. like those. And you don't really think of those things until you sit down and get into mm-hmm. it. And you're again in touch with who you are. So mm. that would be my thing. Positivity, 
one pager, nothing much to commit to right before yeah. that. Absolutely. I, I mean, yes, a hundred percent. I mean, it is like going to bed with that um, type of energy mm-hmm. is so powerful for your sleep, for your mind, for all of that. I love journaling in general. And I think like bookending your day, like I like starting my day with gratitude and then ending because it's just such a good bookend. Like you just have that like little container because there's just a lot of things going on in the world that often feel heavy and negative. And it's just like, if you can create that little safe space, like that is sometimes all that we need in our day. So thank you so much, Jennifer. This was such a pleasure. Where can people people find you? Like how, how can they reach you? Do you have anything, any events or anything coming up? Um, no events, any, coming up or anything. I did I just did a talk yesterday, but, um, I have a website, Jen Huberty PhD, and I think you're going to have that, um, with the notes. Um, yes. you can also find me at ASU, obviously college of health solutions, and you can find me, um, com.com backslash science, um, all the work we're doing there. So yeah. And feel free reach out to me, email me. I'm around. Cool. Well, I will make sure all of that are in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for your time and your knowledge and your stories. And I just appreciate you so much. And thank you, Keiko and Sarah, if you're listening to this. Yes, Keiko and Sarah, we love you. (laughs) We love you. Okay. That conversation, I could have talked to her forever. I love just connecting with like-minded people and connection is such a powerful feeling when you're talking to someone and you just feel understood and like amazing. I'm speechless. That was such a fun conversation and we had so many people that we knew in common. It was just so awesome. So great. Uh, I just, this is so fun. And I just want to thank you for listening. And I hope that you got something from this episode. There was so much goodness in it. So if you did, please share with us. I want to know genuinely, I really do. I love hearing from you. I have people send me messages all the time and it makes me so happy knowing that you got something from the show. So if there's something, don't hesitate, send me a message. I'd love to talk to you about it. If you do the action step, the positive journaling before bed, I'd love to know how that goes and make sure you're signed up for my email list because I have something that I've been working on And I'm so excited to bring it together and share it with you because if you listen to the show, chances are you will completely love and benefit from this new little project that I have pouring my heart and soul into. So anyway, make sure you're signed up. There's a link in the show notes and I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. I really genuinely appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time to be here, supporting the podcast, believing in my mission. And um, yeah, let's just, let's keep this going. Let's keep it going, my friend. So remember, love yourself, own your happiness, let your light shine. Because as always, you know, especially talking about self-worth today, you are so worthy of it. I will catch you next time.